if you want lots of money, but you don't want to work a lot, having something else to give there. And because I didn't want a team, I needed to be squeezing everything I could out of the hours that I was able to work. That meant I needed a team, albeit not actual humans, but I needed a team of things working with me. You're listening to the Bookkeepers podcast sponsored by Go Proposal by Sage. I've been a student of value pricing for many years now. Understanding pricing has helped me to transform our firm's results and build a firm that can run without me. A key tool we use for pricing in our firm is Go Proposal. It allows us to build the price in person with the prospect and send out a proposal and engagement letter immediately, which has saved us hours from how we used to do it before. Not only that, but being able to create a standardized pricing system within the software means everyone on my team can use it freeing me up from being the bottleneck. If you're not using it already, I highly recommend you check it out. Just head to goproposal.com forward slash sign up for your free trial. Now over to the latest episode of the Bookkeepers podcast. Hi and welcome back to the Bookkeepers podcast. I'm Zoe Whitman, I'm here with Joe Wood. We're joined by Emma James from The Number Ninja. Hi Emma, how are you? Hi, I'm not too bad, how are you? Really good, thanks. How are you doing, Joe? as well? How's your day been so far? Busy, but it's all good and uh, really excited for this episode. Absolutely. So Emma's been um, a guest on the Bookkeepers podcast before, and I know that a lot has changed in your practice and in life since we spoke before and I'm really in, like I'm excited to explore like what's been going on and what's changed for you about how you're growing your practice and I know you've got a really inspiring story so thanks everyone who's joining if you're here live let us know hashtag live if you're watching the replay let us know you're on the replay um yeah stick around this is going to be a, a really great conversation so Emma do you want to start by telling us a little bit about your practice and why you chose to start a practice in the first place yeah, so um, the Number Ninja has been going just over six years now, actually coming up six and a half. Um, I started it um, because, like a lot of people, I think, I ended up quite burnt out with my corporate role um, and came to a point where I needed to make the decision as to what I was going to do next. Um, I had the opportunity to create a new role for myself within the business I was in or just go off and get another job somewhere else but I also knew um because that was not my first dance with burnout um I also knew that I was just going to end up in the same position really it didn't really matter where I was going to be um the result was going to be the same um and I was also working fairly long hours with quite a long commute so um and felt quite disconnected from the business and other people and from me I guess um but I was working in like an accounts department working and a lot of their clients were um big pharma companies so you were only ever talking accounts to accounts um and I realized that what I really missed was um chatting with people who could actually do something and who could make a difference within within the business um so I guess like with some people I thought I'd start out just see what happened and um, wasn't too convinced I was cut out for it so I thought well I'll just go sole trader start off see see where we end up uh six months and then I can go off and get a real job um and then yeah here we are it was it did it did so what were the qualifications that you had and you know and what decisions did you make about getting a practice license in those early days Yes, so I'm AAT qualified, um, but my practice license is with the IAB. 
um, the main reason for that, so in my previous role, um, although it was a very, like it was a multinational, very successful company, I was the accounts team. Um, so there, there, there was no one above me who could sign off on any experience. And we had external accountants, but they weren't, like, they didn't really know my work. So I just had no one, although I had some experience, I didn't have anyone to sign off on it. Um, and the AAT for lots of very good reasons are quite strict about what you can and can't do and the experience that you need um, and the evidence. So whereas the IAB are much more, um, I can say lenient, that's not quite the right word, but they they put much more stock in like you saying the, the experience you have rather than necessarily what boxes you can take. Um, so I went down the IAB route for that. So those first six months, where you were not really sure if this was going to work and um, you got your practice license and you kind of thought, I'll give it a go, but I'll find a proper job <laughs> in a little while. What did those first six months look like? Did How did you get your first clients? What, you know, and, and obviously you're still here six, six yeah. years <laughs> later. So um, it worked. So what happened in those first six months for you to know, oh, this could work? So the first day, self-employment I went off to a networking so it, it was an all-day thing so it was all-day call working but the first hour hour and a half was like a mastermind where you went through with different problems and everyone had questions and everything um and that really really helped because it got me to know some of the people who were there um but the, some of those mastermind questions can get quite deep and quite personal quite quickly. Um, so it, it was really good to um, just be able to get involved with that. And I think that also helped by me asking questions of people's problems. Um, it taught me, even at that very, very early stage, that like, I did know some, I did know what I was doing. Um, and um, yeah, it just meant that you, you were kind of jumping through that no like trust thing quite quickly. Um, so on that day, I actually managed to get my first client <laughs> straight away. So that was that was quite lucky. Um, and yeah, I guess that the it was mainly networking how I built up. Um, the first the first few months, I went to anything and everything. Um, I would turn up to the opening of an envelope, like just everything. I was there, um, and I did that because I hated it. So I knew like, I don't like people. I'm really introverted. I don't like being visible I don't like putting myself out there so um I knew if I didn't I was going to come to six months and I was going to have if I was lucky two clients and about 50 quid to my name so and, and I also um what I didn't mention before I had a clean break so I left employment and then started the practice so I wasn't I didn't have any like I had a few a bit of savings but like I didn't have kind of like that safety net I just went straight into it so I knew that it was sink or swim really so mostly it was networking um and I still have a lot of the clients now that, that I had right at the beginning um but yeah doing doing everything basically mm -hmm. and just and, and I, I learned a lot of stuff so although I do have some of the same clients I also got but I've left quite a few of those clients behind as well because they they just weren't right. And you try, like, when you start out, you try lots of different things, don't you? And some things stick and some things don't. And it was, um, because I hadn't worked in practice before, I think it was a good way of just finding out how I wanted to work 
and what I liked and what I was prepared to put up with and what I could do um yeah I love this I you've um when we had the conversation this morning with Catherine Morgan we were talking about how we need to communicate better and you've just shown how by showing up like we know you Emma and we know that you say you don't like really you don't really want to get involved in those kind of people situations but actually you've shown that by communicating with people and being on their level and just having conversations about business and like their fears and worries which would have come up during those mastermind sessions you've connected with them on such a deep level where they really trust you and that's what's really important people need to know us and trust us um you mentioned though about the kind of learning from being new to this kind of business and having to lose client like choosing to lose clients I suppose um because you decided well actually this isn't how I want to run my business or these aren't the kind of people that I want to support over what kind of time frame did that happen and how did it feel choosing to say goodbye to those clients um it happened relatively quickly I think for, for most people out through the first year I cycled through a lot of clients um, a lot of clients um, and I think it felt it felt okay because it always felt like it was a decision I was making to, to get to a better place the next time um, but the first time I like the first time I lost a client as in they left me god that knocked me for six like that was that was awful they were going for good reasons it was all great we were still friendly everything was fine but like how dare they leave me was <laughs> awful um but yeah it, the the other way it always just felt I'm quite good at thinking about it as business so it always just felt like a business decision um but yeah ma making those decisions pretty early on yeah I think probably in the first few months I mo I moved on a few um because yeah I I think partly because I basically I needed the money um, in the early days. I think I that definitely clouded my um, my opinion on some clients. And you know, like your gut tells you, like you know you shouldn't be saying yes to these people, but you do anyway. And then a few months later, you then have to make you you then have to say like it's not working. Um, but yeah, certainly within the first six to nine months, I think I I did manage to turn around quite a few. Emma, your focus in your business has been extremely software focused and leveraging your time and being like a sole practitioner um, for the majority of your journey. And I know, and if people listen back to the podcast you did with us before, you were very, and, and this is what makes me laugh thinking about, it does, it's not fun, but you going to that networking meeting and getting that, I can't believe you did that. Knowing you, like, I know how much you're like, oh, people, like, just give me data, give me, you know, software and link, oh my God, AI, you are just like, so, you know, you're you're safe in, you feel better in places where other people be like, oh my goodness, you, you know, you just, you've built a very, a business that's been so personal to you and what you like. And this is why me and Zoe always talk about like, oh yeah, people say to us, you could build a franchise so that people could copy, but your business, Ember, is so different, but so works so well because you've built it on your values and what's really means a lot to you. So talk us through, you know, I, I know this last year you've had a bit complete change, but your business, what is it that the service you, you do and how have you leveraged software so, to become that really successful solopreneur? Um, 
Yeah, so when I first started, I partly coming from burnout and yeah, I'm very, I am someone who is like quite stuck in their ways. Like I know it's not my way or the highway, but like, it's not far off. Like I know what I want to do. I am very values focused. Like I know what is right for me and what is not for me. Um, and up until like last year, yeah, I was very much, it's going to be me, just me, only me in the business forever um and because of that in the beginning um i also knew that like i will not work evenings i will not work evenings or weekends um very 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 rarely but like that's just not part of my normal working day um but i also wanted a lot of money <laughs> so if you if you want lots of money but you don't want to work a lot then something kind of something has to give there and because i didn't want a team um, I needed to be getting squeezing everything I could out of the hours that I was able to work and that meant I needed a team albeit not actual humans but I needed a team of things working with me so I in I invested in things like well it was Receipt Bank then but I invested in things like Receipt Bank really really early on um possibly before I could really afford it in fact definitely before I could afford it um and like my my husband is a software developer so he's like quite um he has that sort of mind where he'll look at problems and be able to so like we could write the script for this or we could do that or um and that has like that infiltrates every part of my living life um so i'm quite used to to looking at things like that so i've done this three times now um if i need to do it a fourth I'm not doing it myself I'm going to get something to do it so um yeah I think I'm always on the lookout for different software and it's not I, I do use things like Dext and obviously Zero bank feeds all of all of those sorts of things for client work but I think the the biggest bit is the non-client work that's really where I get all of the um the big bonuses with all the different software but like I've spoken about this before I know like things like text expanders um even things like Calendly for booking calls um getting e-signatures quite small tiny little things really that clients possibly don't even really notice but makes a huge difference and just uses my time in a much more efficient way um and even so I don't use things like Google proposal but I have like my own proposal software and a like a more or less automated process that I type in the spreadsheet what they want and then it like seconds later I have a letter of engagement or a proposal ready to send out um so yeah I think it all really came from being quite lazy not wanting to do things over and over again um not liking wasting time um and wanting to squeeze as much as I could out of the number of hours that I was prepared to work I've just seen Claire Johnson say Emma is a tech queen and I know like I've seen you ran an office hour in our success lounge mm. folks members who work with us um, who are in our success lounge we have a, an office hour on Monday mornings and you ran one of the sessions and I remember seeing some of the like a, a tech wizardry where you would type something in and then it would just file something here and ping things off and it's incredible, Emma. And I think we can all learn so much. I mean, even some of the things like, which I think are like, just little things I've been able to implement have been massive times. And like when we 
for example, if we're writing show notes for our YouTube channel, I can type a few, like a word in, and that just puts out a load of stuff that I use every time. So, you know, it's those kind of things we learn so much from you, Emma, and you really add so much to our community by sharing this kind of stuff. So yeah, like Libby says, I need to channel my inner Emma. Um, <laughs> Emma, so you've already, you already had your business set up in this like systemized way where you can maximize on your time, which is so inspiring for everybody. And you were really focused on building the business around you. So you had flexibility. I can remember you saying, you know, if I want to go and live abroad for a bit, I can, because I know my practice can run and these things are automated. Um, but you've had, things have changed a bit for you over the last year. Can you tell us a little bit about what's happened for you and um, how that's changed the way you're running your practice? Yeah, so um, October 21, so just over a year ago, I ended up with um, a chronic heart condition. So my heart just stopped working properly, basically. Um, and that was that was not fun. Um, and going through, it, it took a little while to work out what was going on and get medication. And I reacted badly to the medication and getting on the waiting list for, um, for surgery. And all throughout that, I needed to keep working. Um, and I think that, Although I was able to be flexible, so in a, like I've got great clients who were completely okay with that and completely okay with me not being particularly reliable. Um, it did really show that it's great to have all of this flexibility, but I needed something else. And I wanted to be able to, I wanted to be able to have surgery. I knew I needed surgery, so I, I wanted the business to be able to continue going whilst whilst that was happening um so although I never set out to have like a team I did realize that that probably wasn't going to be wholly re realistic um and I ended up getting surgery quite a bit quicker than I thought I was going to um and I had surgery in May last year um and in the run-up to it because I thought I had a little bit more time than I ended up having um I started the process for recruiting um had all the normal concerns of can't afford it they're going to take my time they're going to take my money um it's I almost viewed it as like a step back not not in terms of like I knew that having a member of staff would help me grow the business eventually but it did seem like yeah that they were taking kind of money away from what could go for me they were going to take up too much of my time um I'd managed a lot in previous roles um and didn't particularly enjoy it but I think I didn't particularly enjoy because it, it was always kind of just bolted on top of whatever I was doing at the time rather than really being able to have the the space to, to give people what they needed um so started recruitment it ended up just awfulness of timing that she so I had two weeks off after my surgery and she ended up starting them the day I got back um from recovery which I probably wouldn't do again um but it like it worked fine but um I I thought that I would kind of be poorly in recovering for the first week and then the second week was going to be like basically a, a dust around I was going to be fine and I would have lots of time to um set her laptop up sort the software out and all the rest of it um whereas I ended up in A&E at the end of the first week <laughs> so so that did not go according to plan um but she's fantastic so she just came in and it was like she'd worked there for forever um and then we were going great guns 
when um between like june july um yeah june and july i uh, brought in loads of new clients we really had loads of momentum really um yeah really gone really well so she's just amazing she can't ever leave um and then in august <laughs> i'm fine now but i was diagnosed with a tumor so that needed to come out so i had um surgery in september trying to keep on top of all of my different hospital visits um and that was going to be a really long recovery um that was about six to eight weeks and then and well six to eight weeks not working but then like the whole recovery process is around about six months um so the first the first my first surgery um Aletha, who's a lounge member, she she really helped me out with that. So because I was on my own, she was there for any urgent queries that came in if needed. Um, and like, lots of other people were like rallying around. And that was fine. And two weeks is kind of a holiday, isn't it? It's like you clients are OK with two weeks break. Um, they're possibly less OK with eight. Um, and because of the nature of what we do, we have we have deadlines all of the time, don't we? So we've we've got we've got payroll, we've got VAT returns. Um, okay, I do accounts. I've got accounts deadlines, self assessments. Um, so yeah, by that point, I was really really happy that I did have that team, I say team, one person in place, um, and because she was so good, it it meant that I could just go off, have the surgery, recover, and I barely thought about work certainly for the first five weeks um it just wasn't I mean I was enough to, to do anything um my brain just wasn't working but I just didn't think about it I didn't worry about it um and then I came back I think I came up back in around about week seven um on the shorter days um and everything was fine it's like all the deadlines had been met clients were looked after and and I actually remember saying to Alita at the time that like, I could get used to this. Like, just, I, I didn't have to worry about it. And I think I realised, although I, I knew that that was kind of like the aim of, of bringing people in, I realised that I just wasn't needed, um, which is great. Like, that is such a good feeling, knowing that you're, it doesn't have to be you. Like, the work needs to get done, but it, it does not have to be me. So, yeah, from going from this lone wolf of, yeah, never, ever, 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 ever going to employ I now want more and more and more um and yeah the event the aim now is eventually for me to just come completely out of client work um or at least the day-to-day -day client work um because whilst like i still got the heart condition but like i'm roughly fine at the moment the last year has shown that that isn't necessarily always going to be the case and i do like i do just have a bit of a rubbish body anyway i, ha I have like quite a few chronic illnesses i pick up things quite quickly um and i need to be able to just step back probably at quite short notice um so yeah so that's the plan now building building a team and moving me out wow emma i never thought we would be having this conversation i really really did you were so i really wish um really hope that people go back and watch your you know what your earlier episodes with us and how you were adamant absolutely adamant you were going to be that lone wolf and that the journey you've got you know you you've come on i remember uh, our book launch actually zoe that james ashford said the only thing we know is that storms are coming that's the only thing we can be certain of 
and you have definitely had your load of storms this over this last 12 months and then today you know we wanted to you know we've been talking about the cost of living crisis recession and i suppose it doesn't really matter what the storm is there are going to be storms and we've got to decide how we're going to either face them and get through them prepare for them and just get used to the fact that there will be storms whichever and you just we all just need to build businesses that are resilient and that can like push through and it's the people that think that it's just sun and rainbows ahead and that, that nothing's coming their way you know we don't want to be pessimistic but just know that there's going to be things and we're going to have to change ourselves and going to have to readjust and and to keep moving forward and you've done a fantastic job at that and so something I want to ask you you know this last year you know you've had to have more costs because you've had staff you've been taken out you've worked less what does that look like for your business has your business shrunk have you had to take less money out of the business or has there been something different happened so compared to this time last year i'm my sales are up around about 43 ish percent um but my profit has just skyrocketed so my profit is about five times what it was this time last year um which makes me feel a little bit sick as to what the hell was I spending this time last year. But anyway, um, and but within that, I brought in I brought in Suzanne, so I'm now paying her salary, but I've increased my salary as well. Um, so yeah, like the complete opposite of shrunk, um, and like part of that is like that June and July where we were going, like what we did bring on a lot of clients in that time. Um, but yeah, it was also looking at um, at reducing costs. And I think when I when my heart first started playing up, I took the opportunity then to really start looking at um, yeah, like what costs did I really, really need to spend? Like unsurprisingly, I spent an awful lot on software, but reviewing all of that and making sure that because um, I quite like shiny objects, <laughs> so making sure that um, what I was spending was actually what I really needed to be spending. Um, and really, yeah, I guess like really um, reflecting on where I was going, where the business was, was, where the business was going, and what money needed to be spent to get me to that point. So I knew I would need to employ. So then started having to, yeah, like planning for for what that looked like. Um, but yeah, it's it's not done too badly this last year. <laughs> Amazing, and and so. Is it that you went from kind of going day to day? Because the way you started your practice was very much like, oh, let's see what happens for six months. And to being like, okay, now I have to take a different view of this because I'm going to bring somebody in and that has like these costs related yeah. to it. So did you go into, I'm sure you had this sort of, you've got this pl planning mentality, but did it really focus you in then on, well, what does it do? And I think probably, it was actually probably the first lockdown of COVID that really, encouraged me to think of it as a business like I knew I was running a business but I don't think I really knew I was running a business um I think it was it was very much just a job for me that paid the mortgage um whereas yeah that, that first lockdown really focused my mind into coming up with like some proper goals and intentions um and yeah that has that, that's only got like stronger in the last year about really thinking right what am I doing where am I going I need to plan this because not that it's fine if I didn't pay my mortgage, but it's kind of fine if I can't afford to do certain things. So I have to like cut my my own cloth accordingly, but I can't do that with staff. Um, they need like I need to pay them. 
I'm responsible for, for, for their income, their livelihood. Um, so yes, I realised that I, I needed to be, um, yeah, a little bit less wishy-washy with, with goals and stuff um, and be a little bit more planning focused and a little bit more, um, yeah, like focused on the future as mm-hmm. well. Emma, you mentioned that you brought a lot of new clients in in June and July last year. What happened? Like, given you were kind of out of the business, um, I'm just curious because I think people might expect you, you not to have grown your practice at that point. So I just wonder what, what happened for you then? Um, panic, I think, <laughs> partly. Um, yeah, what did happen? I think I came back and because I'd felt like so rubbish for so long, um and I now had this uh, I think yeah I'd felt so rubbish for so long and I knew that because there was no guarantee like the operation I had may or may not have worked like there was no guarantee of success um and in fact the success rate was like not great not great odds um so I kind of thought and this is a long-term condition as well so although um the surgery it turns out was a success I don't know how long I'm gonna be okay for um it's a it's an illness that um is normally like for older people so that you know like your 60s or 70s when you get this I'm very much not um so it's probable that I probably if I get like five years five ten years out of it and then need another one that's probably what I'm going to be looking at so um yeah so I felt awful but I was coming back and I don't know how like I felt okay but I didn't know how long I was going to feel okay for um and then I had this person that I was now responsible for um and so I knew I knew something had to happen and I think I was also kind of like mentally planning for the next person as well so I thought if I do need more surgery at the time I assumed it was going to be hot um I'm going to need another person my employee is two days a week so I was thinking well I want I want more of her or more of someone to help um so really needed to like knew I needed to make that push I think um and around about that time I had been asked to run some workshops for um there's a social venture incubator run fairly locally um and one of my clients used to be one of the mentors for it so she got me in there doing um doing workshops so I managed to run a couple shortly after I got back first week like do not do this if you ever have like surgery and take time off your business don't have a new employee start on the first day back and don't run workshops like ease into it um so yeah like had lined up like quite a few things but yeah I think it was I mean it was focused panic but I think it was also a bit of panic as well of right now I although I knew I had the money I wanted to really make sure I had the money I think coming in um Mm. and yeah I was planning for like the next person as well it's so interesting you said um a little while ago that even though you knew you were running a business you didn't really know you were running a business um and I think that is something that at the end of the day however much we automate and we use technology when we are a solopreneur we can never achieve that business status of having a profitable enterprise that runs without us you always however automated you are every business needs that human element for that communication 
um, and for the chats with the clients and, you know, to, to set off whatever the systems are and processes are that are, are automated, it still needs that person. And now listening to what you, you've described, you know, five times more profit now than you had when you were on your own and, you've, and you can have time out of the business, you have got a business, a proper, yeah. proper business. So I think it's really important to reflect right now, if you're here at the moment and you've had the same concerns as Emma about one day taking on, it might not be now, it doesn't need to be now, but you can choose to create a job for yourself that you work for yourself and you are, um, you work for yourself, you are your own boss and you do have some type of flexibility, of course you do, but you don't have all of the flexibility that actually being a business owner can create for you. And maybe that's something you don't want, but also like Emma has proven, sometimes you don't get a choice. And I think this is why some people this is like self-employment is hard because when you're employed, you can have sick leave and you can have holiday and switch on your out of office and go. But when you're on your own and if you don't have a team, you can't do that. And some and sometimes you're getting some of the best bits, but also some of the worst bits of that self-employment is quite difficult. And so congratulations, Emma, on like, yes, it's been six years, but you actually have a profitable enterprise that you do not always have to be in. And, and the fact that you've bought in staff and become more profitable and ha and have more time freedom just proves that point. And I know it's not easy. It's not easy. And there are always, you know, when we have more humans involved, and I can imagine why you wanted to be that Lone Ranger, because the more people you get involved, the more issues, human elements we got to deal with. But there are amazing people out there. But also that's down to you, Emma, because you have created a, an amazing culture. You're very strong in your values. You're not, And also you've brought in clients that align with those values but your the staff that you're working with will understand very clearly what your purpose here is and and we we get asked quite a bit about oh it's so hard for people to recruit at the moment but I think that's because people that are trying to recruit are in that point of I need somebody that the conversations we had this morning you know I need clients oh I need staff that coming from that place of lack rather than I want someone in my team that's just going to love working here as much as I, you know, as much as we do. And we're all going to enhance the experience together rather than I want somebody to give me their time and do the work so I don't have to. It's a very different way of going out into the world for recruitment. So your first hire is scary, but you've done an amazing job. Um, and so are you thinking of a second hire in the in the next six months, in the next year, or is it not on the cards yet? What's What's your plans for the future? Um, probably sometime around quarter two, I think. Um, yeah, I think in the next like four or five months, I would like to at least be at the point of think of like seriously looking at, at bringing someone in. Um, yeah, I, I wouldn't want to. I certainly wouldn't want to get to six months and not not have an additional um, in. There is. Um, so that my member of staff has got young children and part of, she was full-time where she used to work um, and part of the reason why she applied for to, to work with me was that part-time flexible working element of it um but it is also a role that she wants to grow with her as the children get older and she can have she can work more hours and everything um so like i i want to leave i want to leave that role with her to like grow as she, as she wants it to um but yeah I would say probably about four months I want to be bringing someone else in 
um, to move more away from me as well. I'm not quite sure what they look like yet. Um, it might be an accountant, maybe even just one day a week or something. Like, yeah, I, I don't really know exactly what they look like at the moment, but there will be someone else in, in about, yeah, within about four or five months, I think. I think it's really interesting how, so you've really brought home this, um, the view of, you know, we we talk to a lot, there are a lot of people in the community who want to run flexible businesses because they've got children and families that they're working around and other responsibilities. Your reason for needing flexibility is a different reason, but then you're also, you've got someone in the business who also needs flexibility. And I think it just shows that we're all, wherever we are, we're, we're all here because of some reason where we want to make work work for us around other things in life because there's more to life right isn't it it's about like what actually what do I need to be achieving to get this fulfillment that I'm looking for and how can I make work work around it whether I'm employed or self-employed I think one of the reasons you've been really successful with bringing your team member on board is because you're so systemized you know what it looks like and it doesn't need you to make a decision on everything every time because you've already decided so even when it was just you in the business you knew what the steps were and I think one of the things anyone who's watching this can do is that whether they're going to bring someone in in the next three or four months or whether they're going to maybe do that one day in the future, but they don't know, they don't really want to right now, is have that system in place so that they know what work always looks like. Has, I, I mean, I'm sure that that's been something that's been driving you from day one. Yeah, so I also have like quite a poor memory as well. So um, right from the start, I was writing it wasn't like in a proper full manual but there were there was definitely like some sort of manual or standard operating procedures in place even if they were just like notes um at the time but yeah I, I, I don't as you're saying like with the decisions I don't want to keep making the same decision like I do not like repetition like, I don't want to be making the same things over and over again um so if I make a decision on how we're going to treat a certain client or that we're not going to work with a certain industry that's documented and then I can then just like look back on that um over time and, and see things so yeah um I I would quite like eventually to put like a proper manual in place I don't have that but yeah I do I do have notes and it's very clear how we work with certain people what we do how we um yeah how we how we deal with certain situations um so yeah it is pretty it is pretty systemized and documented as well but that yeah right right from the start because i needed it as well because i won't remember it in two weeks time absolutely uh, yeah absolutely that has definitely been a key for your uh, for your success so thinking about like the recession and uh, that you know how people are worried at the moment about building businesses within a recession um, and with all the other issues that you've had in like you know, thinking about the flexibility and your business needing to be there to support you, new member of staff, and you wanting to grow. What do you think need, people need to be thinking about? Like, you are growing a business with not only a recession in the mix, but with health issues. You know, it seems to me that you're you've got your eyes on the prize and you're not really listening to any of this. But you know, what is your view around this? So I'm treating this. Um pretty much like the pandemic really like COVID so at the very beginning um almost all of my clients were quite badly affected so at that point they were nearly all some sort of creative freelancer um, or small business um and they nearly all were um face to face or going into people's offices to do this that, and the other um so at that time and, and I've I now try and do this like every few months um 
I sat down, looked at who was at risk, really, um, and looked to see what I could help them with, but also looked to see what that meant for risk for my business um, and what I needed to do in order to limit that risk. So I am I'm pretty risk averse um, for certain things. And um, like I I tend to have more clients but lower fees. Um, so to, and part of that is to spread the risk. So I don't I don't particularly want to say only three or four clients with quite big fees because you lose one of them for whatever reason and then that's quite a big chunk of money to start looking for and I never wanted to have that drive decisions and um, I wanted to be able to just turn around and say no you're out if they do something I don't agree with rather than thinking oh but you're like 40 percent of my income um so reviewing all of that and trying to keep an eye on what's happening like, just generally um and, and to see if the, if there could be opportunities there. So as a result of like the first lockdown, um, a lot of my clients went online, but I also moved a little bit more. I'd always been like a little bit with the online space anyway, um, but I moved much more into clients on um, dealing with the online space, um, like online coaches and, and all of that sort of thing. And my client base now um, is kind of the next maybe two or three steps up from a freelancer. So they normally have a team of freelancers working with them or they have staff. So trying to go for like those slightly bigger um, clients as well. But yeah, I think um, in terms of like trying to set your business up almost like re recession proof, I mean, you can't ever quite manage it, but to do as much as you can, I think, yeah, keeping an eye on those opportunities that are there. So um, what I'm seeing at the moment is that um what people value seems to be changing a bit so I had um someone come to me they've been coming to me for like, know, every six months since I started saying oh can we work together can you do this can you give me a quote for whatever and um and in there was I've always been too expensive for them they, they've just never wanted to do it and um she popped up again um just before the about, yeah early January I think um before the self-assessment deadline and didn't want didn't want me to do her tax return for her because I was too expensive but wanted a power hour to help her do her tax return because she'd drafted it in HMLC and got a 10 grand tax bill um and knowing kind of what I knew about her I was like you haven't turned over 10 grand so I'm not quite sure where you managed to get a 10 grand tax bill from um so charged her the same as I would have charged to do this in fact the exact same that I'd quoted to do the tax return and that was fine she was perfectly happy with that fee and I've seen that a bit and I think it's partly because I mean she, she's now closed that business so she won't be doing it once in the future but that does seem to be an attitude I'm coming up across uh, coming across quite often of almost giving someone the knowledge to that for them to then be do, able to do it in the future and even if the next year they come back and start like what another power hour to do something else or to check some things they don't want to pay you or they don't value you doing it themselves doing it for them but they for that same fee they value being taught how to do it and they're not like they're not really being taught how to do it like 
that they couldn't go off and do someone else's tax return. It's that confidence, I think, and, and the support um, you're giving them. So, and I'm seeing that quite a lot. And I think there's definitely, and there are definitely opportunities there at the moment that certainly for the those um, smaller businesses who really just don't have, like they just don't have the turnover to buy in the support that they probably need. There's so much opportunity there to do something for them, whether it's like a membership or just like a, an ebook or whatever. Um, yeah, and I think that's probably where I would go and I'm thinking of going in a minute. So I think that there's definitely, things do change, but I think there are definitely opportunities everywhere with it. And yeah, it, it might be that it's, it's just viewed as like an, an additional revenue stream rather than like your main business. Um, but yeah, people's views on things and the value and how they value things does seem to be changing quite a lot. Yeah, I think it's true, isn't it? Like the things that like there's a there's a recession and people will be very tuned into like cost of living and whether they're, I don't know, maybe changing their shopping, like they're, where they're going shopping. Um, but at the same time, they're still spending money at restaurants and eating out and those kind of things. So it's really interesting to see what people are still prioritising, like people are still booking holidays. And um, it's really for us to tune people into bookkeeping is still important you still need this um but I think it's um I don't know how we how we do it it's like it's taking it from like a necessity which is like a tick box exercise into something which is really going to help you and uh really having those conversations which are going to connect the purpose of the bookkeeping to a goal that people have for their lives the whole reason that they're in business in the first place because they're not going to buy into I'm going to you described yourself as people saying you were an expensive bookkeeper and uh, people aren't going to be prepared to spend money on an expensive bookkeeper if they can't see that there's going to be a, a, like some value coming back to them. So our role is to make sure that people understand how we can help them not, for example, have a 10 grand tax bill. <laughs> and um, I love that example. Oh, Emma, you've been on such a journey. Um, you know, we've um, we've all been in touch and I know that there's been so much going on for you. And I think you're such an inspiration. Um, you've been so flexible like you know changing things up you've just proven that sometimes although you've decided like this is the way that things are going to work for me I'm always going to work on my own sometimes you have to be open to the idea well actually for this to work in the way I need it to work now I'm going to have to change things and you've really shown us how you, you've been able to adapt your business and and um, have those systems in place that have helped you to do this with ease really you know I think that you've just been in such a good place to bring somebody into the business because you've planned ahead um without even perhaps really thinking about it but I think this is just such a good lesson for everybody about how having those systems in place is going to help everyone to grow a business thank you so much for sharing this um, and thanks everyone who's been here I think there's been sort of 90 or so of you joining us here so thank you so much for being here for the second session of Bookkeepers Bootcamp Joe and I are going to be back at 6.30 this evening. We'll be live in the Six Figure Bookkeepers Club. We'll talk to you about setting goals. I think we've had a real sort of goal setting focus today. So come and join us this, this evening at 6.30. We'll see you there. And um, yeah, see you later. Take care. Bye. Thanks. Bye. Don't forget to join us every week for the Bookkeepers Podcast. For topical bookkeeping chat, why not join our free Facebook group, the Six Figure Bookkeepers Club, or visit us at thesixfigurebookkeeper.com.